It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Stop it. Here we go again. Well, no, you, you Here said, we you go again. And Sam Ostrowski. Honestly, I think that's ludicrous. I love the guy. Diamond in the Rough, episode six. Thank you for making it this far, everyone. We really appreciate it. Always got to start by thinking of the fans, Dan. That's what we got to do. That's Dan Collins. I'm Sam Ostrowski. We're here to talk all fun things. They prospects. didn't see me. They didn't see you? You said that's Dan Collins. Oh, well, you know. This is a podcast. We're working on a Facebook Live, maybe, or sooner or later, you know. Oh, fancy. Yeah, you know, whoa, you know, to be, to be determined for that. Gotcha. Uh, until then, check, you know, go check Dan out. He's a good-looking guy. Hey! Yeah, go check him on Facebook, Twitter, find his pictures, creep on him a little bit, why don't you? I'm not on Tinder. You can't check me out no. there. No, not on no, Tinder. Not. I've, not, I've no, never done no, a Tinder No Tinder. No time for Tinders. No, no Tinder. You know, we're, we're actually wrapped up. We both have lovely ladies on Absolutely. our Absolutely. You know, we, 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 got, we got them on our hip, and I mean that as a good thing, of course. Gotta love the woman. Anyways, <laughs> moving back to prospects, we're going to do this episode a little different, Dan. Yeah, we are. We have an interview coming up. And we're going to base this episode around the interview, and that is okay, because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about and a lot of great stuff you are going to hear from Mr. Zach Bernard, one of my old friends, and you'll hear about all of what he does and uh, how you could contact him and whatnot during the interview. But before we got, get to there, just a quick little tidbit. Uh, are you, you going to apologize? I am. We are going to apologize. Yeah. No, you're going to apologize. I'm going to apologize? Just you're gonna, me? You're okay. going to apologize for my mistake. <laughs> Our mistake. <laughs> Our mistake. We, we, we're in this together. So if you were listening to episode five, you might have noticed in the second half that things got a little echoey, as you might say. Yes. So we apologize for the little bit of audio trouble that we had. Um, massive audio trouble. Ma- okay, well, if we're, we're going to apologize, we're gonna, we're let's, gonna just, go let's just be transparent here. We're going to go massive audio trouble that we had for it was episode bad. five it was, it it was, was bad it was put rough. it this way if i was listening to our podcast and it sounded like that i would not listen i would stop listening well let's hope that they did not stop listening and they're listening to us right now because if you we are tend means... to have some loyal fans believe it or they, not believe it or not that means you're on we episode look into six. the numbers yeah yeah so thank you thank you very much for being able to bypass this absolutely and let's let's make a promise we swear that that will never happen again well, what how's, if it happens on this that? one? We haven't even re-listened to it yet. What if it happens on this show we'll, right here? We'll work on it. We're making a promise. Then prom- we'll apologize again. Yeah, you know what? You, you could always cut out the promise, we, I guess. We said that we were going to start up some kind of a contest, a social media contest. We if did. We, we mess did. up again, and somebody doesn't like that, and they want to get a, in touch with us, whether that be Twitter, email, or Facebook, mm-hmm. then they could be an automatic winner. We could send it as an apology. And as a way to make up for it. But that's only if we mess up again, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's only if we mess up again. We're not going to mess up. Yes. Don't, it's don't up jinx to our us. discretion, too. Right, of course, of right. course. Which, actually, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that. Keep an eye out. Yeah, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Uh, email us at diamondintheroughpodcast at gmail.com, at diamondpodcast on Twitter, or just type in diamondintheroughpodcast on Facebook. We're going to do some social media giveaways on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're going to find, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it a surprise. So what you got to do is you got to just simply go follow us and like us and look out for the post and we'll tell you what to do for your chance to win some cool ass prizes and if we mess up you could win some cool ass prizes that's right that's right <laughs> but now but we have an interview to get to we, right? we we sure do like i mentioned we do have an interview today my good buddy zach bernard so without further ado you know this was pre-recorded so we're definitely just gonna have to get right into it aren't we yeah let's flip to it all right let's let's hear it We 
are here with Zach Bernard. He is a reporter slash host of WBOI, a Northeast Indiana radio station. He also is a writer for BP Wrigleyville. He's a Cubs fan, to say the least, and a diehard. And he also is an editor. He's actually an editor for me, for the Read Optional Baseball website. So, Zach, how you doing? I uh, couldn't be better. Can't think of a better way to end the evening, a snowy evening in Northeast Indiana, than by talking a little bit of baseball with a very, very good old friend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Zach and I go a little, a little further back. We went to, both went to Illinois State University. Worked at the same student radio station. Zach, did I did I miss anything? Did I cover? I know you do a lot. So did I cover everything that you do? I do have a lot of irons in the fire, but I think you got all of them on that one. That was a perfect intro all right well well to be continued on well zach bernard has coming up because it's going to be plenty and he's going to be on on the big screen soon enough we all know it so he's already on his way uh we already know everyone in northeast indiana is loving him plus chicago because he's a huge cubs fan but also the reason we brought on zach today dan is because zach i've known him for a little while he is a guy he is a stats guy as some might say he knows all the sabermetrics and he could really dig deep. So, you know, we've talked about all these prospects and, well, you know, what we're looking for, what shows a good prospect coming up, what, you know, what shows, what are the bad signs. And, Zach, I guess what we want to ask you during this interview is really we want to dig deep and have you tell us a little about, why don't we start with the hitter side of things. What are some of the stats that, you know, we might not exactly be looking at, but we probably should be when a prospect is up and coming that, uh, how is he going to be impressive to the scouts out there? Well, when it comes to hitting, it's, it's all about context with all the numbers. No one statistic can really tell the story about where a prospect is going to go. When it comes to whenever I write about a prospect or whenever I research a prospect, the very, very first statistic that I look at without fail is that hitter's on-base percentage because from my vantage point of the three slash numbers, the batting average, on-base, and slugging, the batting average will always be able to be adjusted by the hitter. The slugging will most likely grow for a prospect. But the on-base percentage is something that's always going to be a good indicator of what kind of hitter that player is going to be. If an on-base percentage is low, a hitter certainly can grow and earn better plate discipline as time goes on. Uh, you're a Cubs fan yourself. We saw that with Javier Baez over the last few seasons. But... Um, if a player has a very, very high on-base percentage in the minor league, I'm going to be inclined to think that this player has an incredible eye. They're going to be able to draw a lot of walks or at least force a lot of heavy counts, and they're going to be able to be a nightmare for some pitchers. So I always try to look at on-base percentage. And to give you an example, uh, former Cubs prospect and current Mariners prospect Dan Vogelbach, um, I can't remember offhand, it was either half a season or a full season in Iowa, uh, he had an on-base percentage of 425, and when you see a number like that for a guy who's almost major league ready, you can't help but think that even if you were to regress a little bit more, or even significantly the lowest that on-base percentage is going to get at the big league level is probably around 350. So um, that's, uh, you know, Vogelbach is a perfect example of that and with the high on-base percentage. So that's the first thing I look at. And I also try to give context to uh, other statistics as well. I try never to look too much into power, and I believe you wrote about that at RO uh, in the Austin Meadows piece about power coming to players eventually. And 
Um, I, I do believe that to be true, that um, if the hitter only has 5, 10 home runs, but he's only 19, uh, there's a strong chance that he has potential to become a 15 to 20 home run hitter. Uh, it really just all depends on how his next two seasons go. Um, but in order to get a better projection of that, I like to look at things like doubles, triples, and uh, really how many total bases he's logging to determine, you know, is this guy going to develop into somewhat of a power threat? And uh, when it comes to offense, those are the numbers I really look at. First, always look at on-base percentage, and then check out the peripherals in the context to age, size, position, things like that. Zach, I don't know how much you looked into the new top 100 prospect list by MLB Pipeline. The last episode that Sam and I had here, we were discussing the new list, what shocked us, maybe what stood out. Was there any prospect that you might have thought jumped a little too high, fell a little too low? No, you know, it, 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 it's not really a surprise because, um, you know, just looking at some of these numbers, um, you know, I, I honestly... Usually, you know, these things are always subjective, you know, whether it's MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, Baseball Perspective, it's all subjective based on what they see. My personal view is that it's so hard to rank human beings because to their teams and to their uh, organizations, they each bring about different impacts. So uh, for me, my focus is usually always um, like what Baseball America does, for example, a team's top 10 prospects is usually what I uh, look at because it's always interesting see where people have been added or people have moved down. Uh, For example, if you look at the Cubs for Baseball America, um, you have Dylan Seeds, he's up at number four, uh, and that's after, you know, recovering from a pretty aggressive Tommy John operation. So, um, you know, you look at something like that and realize this guy's really making his way up through the system quickly, and when you look at his numbers, it's completely justified. A lot of people have faith in a guy like him, and you know, it, 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 for me, it's always encouraging to see guys that have been on the list for maybe a year or two propel themselves forward a little bit more. Speaking of all these pitching prospects, you know, all these guys are, whether they're on the top 100 or not, you know, there's always, there seems to always be big talk about those flamethrowers who hurt their arm. You know, I'm talking about one of Dan's favorites, Michael Kopik, you know, in his future and seeing... <laughs> Seeing, seeing if he could sustain that that kind of velocity throughout the years, you know, because the outlook doesn't look good if we're looking in the past. How can those pitchers sustain themselves through not only the majors but the minors to make it up to the majors? And two, you already fed into the hitters, so you might as well uh, feed into the, the pitchers as well. What kind of stats should we be looking out for them as well? Well, for me, it's always a matter of innings load. And, again, I'll go back to another Cubs prospect. You might remember the name Pierce Johnson for a few years. Yes, um, yes. The Cubs let Pierce Johnson go. I believe he's I, – I forget which uh, system he's in now. Um, I'm pretty sure they let him go unless I'm confusing him with another prospect. But what I do know about Pierce Johnson is, is that there was a ton of potential there for this guy who he had great stuff. He was a flamethrower. But the problem was he kept getting hurt. And so I'll try to answer both parts of your question here. What prevented Pierce Johnson from becoming a marquee prospect for the Cubs was because when you look at his stats and you don't see him making more than 120 innings in a season for several seasons, then that becomes a concern because, again, it goes hand-in-hand with the uh, context of age and you know how many years he's pitched and things like that. For Pierce Johnson, he was really, really climbing up the ladder in age. I think he's 23, 24 now. And so when you go into his statistics and you see that 
he had a significant difficulty making it to 180 innings in any season, uh, that becomes a concern, and that tells you that this pitcher cannot really sustain that. On the other end of that, if you look at a pitcher's numbers in the minor leagues, if he's 22, 21, he's about to make the break, he's you know highly regarded in prospect circles, if you see him logging between 150 and 180 innings per season, chances are the pitching coaches knew that they could get that mileage out of him and that he could sustain it. And if he's got good numbers while logging those innings, then this looks like a major league ready pitcher to me. We think of it as such a fundamental part of baseball. Um, we don't really, I think, emphasize it enough, but I think innings pitched can give you so much context into what a pitcher can do and what a pitcher is capable of evolving into. Zach, as a guy who obviously loves his stats, loves studying his baseball players, can you give us a couple names throughout the past couple years of some guys who have shocked you, both in a positive way and maybe a negative way? A couple names who, when looking at the stats and the sabermetrics, they exceeded expectations, and a couple guys, when looking into it, you thought, wow, this guy might be the next star, the next big name, and then just wasn't able to get there. There are a couple names, either in the positive or negative side, that you could flip us uh, off the top of your head. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it, I'll go back to the Cubs for the first one because it's an easy one. Um, you know, I think about Javier Baez. This is a guy that a lot of people didn't believe in. Uh, you probably remember as well as I do the people who were saying that, you know, this guy's a bust. He strikes out too much. And then look what he did last year. You know, this is this is a, um, you know, this is an incredibly talented kid who was able to make a name for himself in the postseason. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a really um, wonderful thing. Um, you know, as far as other prospects go, um, what happened with Trevor Story last year was a great thing. He was a huge surprise to me um, because I'd always seen the name and I'd always watched him and I'd watched him develop. And I always figured this was going to be a, you know, kind of uh, utility middle infielder, somebody who won't make too much of an impact. But uh, unfortunately, he broke his wrist last year, but he really... Uh, he really made some waves early on in the season with uh, all those home runs that he hit. So um, that's a nice little asset that the Rockies have. And um, one thing that Casey Bogusloff from RL Baseball and I always talk about is the Rockies have never been better positioned to win than they are right now. Uh, as a side note, we think they're blowing it. But yeah. um, we, do, we do feel that a, a player like Trevor Story was enough of a surprise and you know really bolsters what they're doing over there. Um, as far as other players are concerned, um, you know, I, I was really surprised to see Dancy Swanson last year. Um, he, he, he didn't really impress me with Atlanta, but by the same token, um, you know, he's still so young and he's got so many years and that whole Braves team is still growing. Uh, but I think, the, I think the biggest surprise to me last year, and uh, I, I'm still devastated that he didn't win the award, was Gary Sanchez. Um, I always heard the name Gary Sanchez. I always knew that, hey, you know, he's part of the Yankees' future, but my God, uh, (laughs) I would turn on MLB Network in August and September last year, and he was hitting another home run. And after it got to, like, 10, you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this guy is unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And and I'm still devastated that the voters didn't give him the rookie of the year because, you know, I like to give it to a guy with a full season, but... Uh, yeah, some things are, um, you know, exceptions can be made, and I think Gary Sanchez was that person. So, and um, as an aside, um, Eloy Jimenez, I didn't think he was going to be as good as he is, and now he's basically an untouchable prospect for the Cubs. So those are just a few names I could think of. 
Now, Zach, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you don't like ranking human beings. And I've heard you say that before, and it's totally understandable. You know, I, I could get where you're coming from. But uh, if you don't mind, let's, let's, let's play the game a little bit right now. And the, the top 100 MLB pipeline, uh, we've, Dan and I have argued back and forth plenty of times. It, it goes Andrew Benatendi and then Yohan Moncada, have, as you've guaranteed have heard. Uh, if you had the choice right now, you say you're a GM and you get to pick one of those two prospects right now, who are you taking and why? Uh, I'm probably taking Moncada. And, and you know, it's, it, it's really a very difficult question to answer because Benintendi, you know, I mean, no offense to him when I pick Moncada over him. But, you know, there's just something about what Yohan Moncada brings to the table as far as um, you know, just being a five-tool player. He still needs to work on defense a little bit, especially if he's going to be uh, utilized, I believe, at third base, the White Sox were thinking. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but um, he has so much unbelievable speed. He can be a power threat. He can. I think he is an exceptional prospect. I think he is the reason the Chicago White Sox won the Chris Dale trade. Um, because when you're thinking longer term and you're thinking positions of the franchise, first of all, I think both teams won the deal, but uh, on the White Sox and to be able to get Kopech for one and then to be able to add Moncada to that, um, that's a really, really huge, huge advantage that the White Sox have. And the White Sox went from no prospects to brag about to having tons. And when you have Moncada headlining that, that's a pretty special thing. Ben Intendi, no matter what, is always going to be a second fiddle to Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr. and players like that. And granted, he could propel himself beyond that. But Mankata not only has the position to become a star in the face of the Chicago White Sox, he also has the tools to make that happen. He hits so well, and he's got beautiful speed. And, you know, he's just... All the acclaim that he's gotten has been completely deserved and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch him develop on the south side for the white side so if, if, if you put a gun to my head it's montana for sure zach being a baseball guy there's no way we could let you go without asking you this question earlier today yahoo sports reported that the mlb is set to test a new rule change uh, and yeah, in the lowest <laughs> level, exactly. Uh, that would this would be in the lowest level of the minor leagues, and what it would what it would do is automatically place a runner on second base right there in scoring position if the game went into extra innings. Uh, to my knowledge, this this style of extra inning baseball is fairly popular uh, international. Uh, I think it's kind of goofy, so I would just kind of like to hear your take on that as well. It seems to me as if you're kind of going to concur with uh, what I'm trying to say here. 100%. And that's the weird thing, because when Manfred was talking about it, he said um, it's not fun to watch teams burn through their bullpens and have a utility player pitch. I don't know if Rob Manfred is watching the same game I am, but it is <laughs> awesome when position players get to pitch. It's the greatest thing ever. That is the Especially best thing when ever. that position player is in a position to win. Like when John Baker did it for the Cubs a couple years ago in the 16th inning and scored the winning run. Oh, you know, that's man. The stuff of, that's the stuff of legend among Cubs fans. And then during that same week was when the White Sox had Adam Dunn pitch. And, <laughs> you know, both teams were bad, but it was so fun to watch those things unfold. So really, you know, he's coming from a place that doesn't speak for the rest of us. And... You know, I do believe that he does the trial balloon thing. I think that, because I'm pretty sure he's admitted it. Don't, you know, don't, that, I'm not saying that as a fact. I feel like I've read that somewhere. But, um, I, you know, 
it just seems like he likes to throw these things out there just to gauge public opinion. And the public opinion to this has been overwhelmingly negative because, again, it's such a fun novelty when a game goes 15 innings. When you've got Joe Madden putting Pedro Stroke out in left field, you know, those things are fun. Those things make baseball fun because they're unexpected. They're fun little surprises. And you never know how they're going to end up. So why try to remove that? Oh, I, I totally agree with you, Zach. You know, just like Travis Wood making that, you know, all-star catch in, le- in left field against the wall with the yeah. ivy around him. Just a, just a beautiful scene. If you can't tell, Zach and I are huge Cubs fans, everyone. So. And that was the same game where it went 12 innings. Jason Hayward got on, got to third base, and then John Lester won with a bunt. You know, like <laughs> that's, if you put a runner at second base automatically, you're taking away the suspense of getting that runner home. And, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I think it's an incredibly misguided thing. And what bothers me is he, he's hell-bent on this making baseball fun thing when really it's more a matter of accessibility. People need to be able to go to games for less money. People need to be able to watch their favorite team without being blacked out, even though they can't get the channel their team's on. Mm-hmm. These are things that Major League Baseball needs to look at, but the problem is they're not looking at it because there's a chance these solutions would cost owners and Major League Baseball a little bit of revenue, and they don't want to lose that. So instead, how could we speed the game up, even though they don't need to do that? You know, it, I read a tweet earlier this morning where somebody said, if you are watching a baseball game with the focus of a football game, baseball is not your sport. And that's 100% correct. What makes baseball special is that you can pace yourself through it. Mm-hmm. And that it you can spend an evening with it. And I think those things are what make baseball special. And so to see the commissioner throw these ideas out there, I, again, I think they're trial balloons. I don't think anything's going to happen. But it's, it's still disconcerting to see that Major League Baseball isn't addressing the real problems instead of throwing these ideas out there. Oh, absolutely. Why, why ruin a great thing, right? It's, a, it, it's, it's I agree. crazy to see, see what they're doing. And, and make no mistake, some games do have length problems. If I'm watching a game in August between two losing teams, I don't want to have to watch this game for four hours. And pitching changes, mound visits, things like that. There's a way that these things could be streamlined without changing the identity of the game. Because when I watch a long game, I know what's causing it. Too many mound visits, too many pitching changes. And I'm not saying when the pitching changes, but there's got to be a better way than deciding to change the identity of the sport. Oh, absolutely. Well, Zach, we really appreciate you taking the time, the insight. Uh, we loved it, and we know, we know our listeners will love it just as much. Uh, again, you could find Zach at WBOI Northeast Indiana Radio Station 89.1. Zach, what time is you on from? Um, well, okay, you're central time, so here it's 4 to 7. For you, it would be 3 to 6. All right, well, make sure to tune in to Zach from 3 to 6, Central Time, that is. And if you're on the other way, he's starting at 4 p.m. Or you can check out some of his writing on BP Wrigleyville or some of his beautiful edits, including on any one of my pieces. Just know that Zach Bernard made some beautiful edits to that piece, multiple, actually, on uh, ROBaseball.com as well. So, Zach, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, We'll definitely be talking soon, that's for sure. And we, uh, we look forward to it. Awesome. It was an honor, man. Thank you for having me. Bernard, once again, you 
can hear him on 89.1 WBOI, Northeast Indiana radio station. Zach had a lot to say. If you couldn't tell, he's a Cubs fan, just like me. He was throwing a lot of Cubs prospect names out there, throwing some stats at you as well. Well, Dan, what stood out the most to you about that interview? What What did Zach say that, that really made you think? You know, it's interesting that he said a lot of this stuff that people are putting on a scale, writing down into their notebooks, on their notepads, is a lot of it is subjective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff you just don't know. What is it, like... 10% of these draft picks make it to the major league level. Maybe even lower. It's insane. Yeah, it's very low. You look at a basketball draft, your team gets three or four guys the first night. You're going to see those guys. You're going to see the majority of them. Baseball, it's different. And we have all these ways of measuring talent now, and we get down to the nitty-gritty with the stats and the sabermetrics, but yet a lot of it is still subjective. So you can only imagine how much debate, arguing, and back and forth could go on in these front offices. I think we need this for this reason. I think we need this for that reason. I don't think you're seeing it the way I'm seeing it. I think I'm seeing it this way. At this day and age, we're getting a lot better in that. You're coming to the table a lot less with guys who are squeaking under the radar. Where, hey, uh, we're the Rangers and we have this guy in our back pocket. You never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Odds are we have. There's a lot less guys that could fly under the radar nowadays with the way the sabermetrics and the statistics work. But a lot of it is still subjective, and a lot of it could still be argued. And at the end of the day, whether you're talking baseball, you just don't know. I feel like those are the most popular three words on this show. Being a prospect show, I don't know. You know, yeah, no, you're right there. I don't know is probably the accurate statement for most things. Even though we we like to to dig deep and tell you what we think, the yet what we think is a go. The players that we think are going to be great, the players we think are going to be horrible. Um, but Zach really, you know, he's the kind of guy that he he looks into the stats a lot, and he's going to evaluate the player according to that and tell you the kind of player he. Th- thinks he's going to be and he usually has something positive to say about most players because there are something positive to say about uh just about any player that's in the in in any farm system that's something we overlook we say oh this guy's horrible but you know he's in the position for a reason they've made it this far um he agreed with you about something which i thought was weird uh oh he agreed with you what is he yeah yeah i know yeah what's he talking about he loses just being a cubs fan is that what it is no 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 it was about (laughs) it was about your man austin meadows so yes yes but okay Going back to your initial question that you asked me, what what kind of had the wheels spinning upstairs when he said certain things? You mentioned Austin Meadows with the power. You look at the scouting grades now uh, on LB.com, average power, 50. That's that's really good because that 50 is what stands out within all of the major league level. So mm-hmm. that's, a good, that's still a good tool. But that might be one of the most overrated tools if you think about it because if you're 19 if you're 21 mm-hmm. if you you know the the austin meadow age he was born in 95 he's not even 22 yet may 3rd 1995 can i do math uh, yeah, uh, he's, yeah pushing, he's, he's pushing 22 he's pushing 22 he's pushing 22 so but if there's any if there's any tool that you could massively improve on in a matter of a few years especially if you're a youngin you would think it's your power yeah, no, that's because it's, you could gain more strength, and you could perhaps take a little bit of a different approach. Let's say your speed, for example. As you get older, you're only going to imagine that well, that that tool is definitely going to go down. You're not going to have the same kind of speed you had or the same kind of arm. 
I mean, that's going to go for all your tools once you get that older. Once you, if you, if you have the luxury of playing. Well, you're talking, you know, you know, right. way down the road. But one that you can improve probably the quickest, I would say, either your hit tool or your power. But if you hit that weight room, do a little bit of rocky training where you're cracking a couple eggs and your protein shake raw, and you're drinking <laughs> them in the morning, you might be able to make some things work. So that's something you've mentioned on a few podcasts, and that really had me thinking, like, you know what? Yeah, he, he's right. That might be the most overrated tool. And, you know, I think we're, we're talking about all this. What we're getting at here is that as many things as we can measure about a player, uh, as we can predict about a player between the numbers and between what we see and the way he stands in the box and the way, you know, the way he fields a ball, whatever it might be, there are still multiple things that are unmeasurable. And those unmeasurables come into play Way more often than not, you're not inside a guy's head. You don't know what he's thinking. You just don't. He could tell you anything he wants during an interview, but he could be lying through his teeth. Hell, he might even believe it. But when it comes to that and things like work ethic, I think I mentioned in an episode before, I hate when someone primarily judges someone's work ethic without a lot of... You judge my work ethic. Well, I, I, I don't. You I, say I'm no, lazy. No, I don't, I don't you're do right. no, research. You're fine. Terrible you're right. co-host. You're right. Unless there is like... Major, major, uh, major know. danger, Will Robinson. Major <laughs> danger. Unless there's plenty of evidence to prove to me that this guy clearly doesn't have the work ethic or he's going down the tubes, I can't say that he doesn't have the work ethic because I'm not there. I'm not sitting right next to this guy. I'm not inside this guy's head. So I think that's what we're getting at here, even though we're going to continue to dig into numbers and we're going to continue to evaluate players that way. There's still plenty of unmeasurables, um, and I think that's what Zach also is getting at when he says he hates ranking human beings. That's that's something I've heard him say it's before. A nice little saying, I'll say that. It is a nice little saying. It's true. You know, you, you, you can't rank human beings. You can't – well, there's only one thing you can't tell I me, and that's you. that I'm better than Pretty Dan. Well at the bottom. That's about the only thing you 110% can't tell me because that's a fact. But that's okay. That's what's weird about sports in general, not just baseball. We only have a, a couple minutes here. We could talk about prospects any show we want. So, Sam, don't slap me in the face for bringing this up once again. But since we only have about two or three minutes, I want to discuss that rule change with you. What in the heck are you trying to do starting an extra inning game by automatically putting a runner in scoring position? It's literally just to speed up the game. It makes no sense to me. That's it. It's to speed up the game, and that is the only reason for it. Okay, but if you want to speed up the game, how's about you strictly enforce a rule you already have and you tell the pitcher to speed it up? They're putting at you, so you want you want basically a shot clock on the pitcher. That's what you want. That is a hundred percent what I want. So I'm not okay. It is a rule. I'm going to respectfully disagree. This isn't now. Nah, there's rules. This is maybe it's just because I'm a huge baseball fan, nerd and I love to watch the game from the first inning to the last. Oh. But I'm okay. okay with. I'm not talking like a five second shot clock, but you can't be standing out there 40, 45 seconds. You can't circle around the mound, take your hat off. Wipe off the sweat, finally retrieve the ball from the catcher, play around with the ball in your mitt, slowly mm. tilt your head up, finally get the signs, maybe get into your set, then fire away. I get Let's it. Let's go, buddy. I Come get on. it. You know, no, I get it. And to most fans, that is annoying. And, you know, if you're watching it, yeah, if you hit like the minute mark even before you throw your next pitch, yeah, you are taking a little too long. But for me personally, it's never bothered me, is what I guess I'm trying to say. Because I've never noticed it too much because I've always looking at every aspect of the game you know it's not just about what the pitcher's doing uh even though that's the where the eyes are going to focus on right away there there's a lot to look at and but if you really want to speed up a game do it that way i think yeah okay if you're going to change one rule i guess that is there's they also implemented the 
the possible rule of the um, intentional walk and not actually throwing four that's pitches. Goofy too. I don't, set, see, that's goofy. I don't set, mind watching a guy lob up four pitches. And very quickly, this gets back, back to what Zach said. I'm going to paraphrase it. Correct me if I'm wrong. But if you're watching a baseball game and you want to see or get the same kind of excitement or thrill you get out of a football game, or for me, maybe even a basketball you're or hockey game. You're not going to. You're watching the wrong sport. You're watching the and wrong sport. you're not going sport. to get that. But what you can do is speed it up just a little bit, and it will still be the same old slow-paced game of baseball. Maybe give the guy 20 to 30 seconds. That's maybe what I would say. I forgot. What is the rule? Like 30 seconds or something like that? Yeah. So stick to that and force it. And it will still be a fun game, at least in my mind. And don't, as Zach said take some of the fun elements out where when it does go 16, 18 innings and a position player comes into pitch, you just ruin that part. Mm-hmm. So way to go. If it goes extra innings, you're already in extra innings. Screw it. Let's go to 16 then. It's already went more than nine, so let's just keep going. I mean, the, the extra inning rule, the, the starting a runner at second base is is ridiculous. That's a dumb rule. There's no reason for it. You're, I mean, it's going to completely change game plans, All you could but do, not in a good way. If, if I'm the away team... And I know I could start out with a runner on second base. Let's butt him over and get him in. Yeah. And there then you sac- sacrifice fly, and then you got the It would be win. hilarious if that's how it works where the away team, like, it just becomes this perfection. Butt him over and get him in. Then the third out comes. Home team comes up to the plate. Butt him over and get him in. Third out. And now you're just going around right. in circles. Not that circles, that's going to work 100% of the time. It's not. But that's, yeah, that that's the game plan then, you know. And it doesn't, it's not thrilling for one. If you're trying to make you know make baseball great again again make it make it exciting oh, like goodness. that's you're not you're not going to be making it more exciting by doing that in my mind you know I'm looking for those walk off home runs it's more exciting when a player hits a double to get onto second base cuz then you go oh, we're on to something baby here we go we got this is that really how you say it that's you know is that I, how you look yeah, in your living okay. room that's good that's Lord. pretty much what i do that was the worst way to wrap up episode 6 yeah. look at that <laughs> Six in. Six in and we eight. promise. One more. Audio-wise, t- it should sound better than what episode five was. Oh, uh, yeah. We, we're one promising last apology. That. We're I'm promising that. for anything else anymore in this show. Otherwise, we owe you something. Speaking of owing you something, we are going to try that giveaway within maybe a week, week and a half, say. So be on the lookout. Go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at Diamond Podcast. Please send us an email. We want to hear your thoughts, the listeners' thoughts. Diamond in the pod or Diamond in the podcast. Diamond in the Diamond podcast. In the, you know, I'm losing it. Diamond in the rough podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts, your questions, whatever it might be, uh, please send it our way. So we appreciate you listening. We've got plenty more to come. We might hit some segments again next episode. I don't know. We're changing it up now. We're, we're getting funky, aren't we, Dan? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? That's Let's right. Let's get interesting. That's right. Well, that, if Manfred wants to change up the rules, so, so can, can we. we. There Damn you go. Damn right. That's yeah. right. Big that, thank you once again to Zach Bernard, by the way. Oh, yeah. Th- big, big shout out to him. We really appreciate him coming on. He's got some great insight. Go follow him on Twitter. I believe he's at Zach Bernard. So, hey, thanks for listening. That's Dan Collins. I'm Sam Ostrowski. This is the Diamond in the Rough podcast. We'll see you next time.